As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Till I saw the city. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. I'm uh, very happy to be joined by one of my favorite human beings, uh, John Torchetti. Uh, John is here with his longtime partner in crime, Rhonda, and they both got to see me uh, actually being a homebody and shoveling for the first time probably in my life. That's probably the most I've ever seen you work, <laughs> ever, in my life. And maybe try to get a sweat. Yeah, that was my workout for the day. I, it was exhausting. Uh, but, uh, you know, really, really happy to have you join, uh, join the podcast. I've wanted to get you on for a while. Um, but obviously, you were up in Moncton coaching in the Quebec League up until last uh, month. Uh, you were off to a 21-5 and start. Yep. And now you're lo- no longer the coach. What yep. happened? Uh, we, you know, we had a really good season. Uh, last year, we uh, finished up. Uh, I went in there with like 30 games to go, and uh, we finished like 10 games over 500, then knocked out the number uh, two seed in the first round and went to the second round loss. So, But I was coach GM, and uh, we just had some differences on uh, how to have the team moving forward going. And uh, it's a little, you know, coaching-wise, things were great. But as a GM, it's a different story because uh, you got to make trades and uh, – the owner's a big part of the organization, and uh, he's seen it to go a different way, and I seen it to go another way. So there was no sense in moving forward. So it was uh, just time to move on. And what? So what? Uh, any chance that we'll see you back on NHL Network here anytime soon? That was one of my favorite things after you were le- after you left Detroit organization, watching you with Jamie Hirsch every night. Yeah, that was great, and we got to watch her yesterday, uh, uh-huh. uh, Minnesota Day. So that was pretty awesome too. I got to actually text her on that. Uh, 
And actually, where you live, Mike, it's uh, pretty nice. I might have to get into your field. <laughs> uh, nice house here, and uh, you've been a great guest host. And but uh, no, I, I actually told him. I mean, the one of the problems there is their talent is what they call it. Uh, they have them all booked, and, right. and they usually book a month ahead. But uh, I had talked to Weeksy this past week, and he was like, "Well, why don't you come back on?" And uh, so we. We uh, got in touch with Josh, who runs the NHL Network, and he told me that uh, he would look at the schedule coming up for because uh, they're already booked February's right. and January. So now you're looking at March. Yeah. So, but because uh, usually the haul of December and January are the best time to uh, get some fill-in time because everyone goes on vacation and uh, you know family time. So, but hopefully I get in there. I really missed it. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but I, I had a lot of I had a lot of good time in Moncton with the kids. Uh, Great group of kids, had some great draft picks and uh, some kids who really developed, and uh, I'll miss them dearly. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk to you. Uh, there's one in particular I definitely want to talk to you about. And, again, uh, thanks for joining us straight from the source if you're listening. Um, if you want to subscribe to uh, The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in 40% off. Uh, this is free on the Apple and uh, Spotify apps and anywhere that you uh, listen to your podcast. But if you want to listen to the full version of this podcast and all my straight from the source podcast, you have to go to the athletic podcast i guarantee you uh you will love it if you go to the app and the site uh you'll love the entire site um you know i've, I've covered you obviously in multiple places uh, both florida and here in minnesota but uh you know it is kind of neat um so ronda's son lives in the area which is why you're always back here right yeah it's uh it's great uh he works here he went to school here and uh now he works at the hospital so and uh and the dog's here so you know you always <laughs> have a dog involved that has to be babysat so you take the six-hour drive uh, here, and uh, we also want to visit our son, too, Dan, but the dog's pretty important. <laughs> but, uh, no, they went on vacation, him and his girlfriend, so we're here for uh, almost two weeks. Uh, so it's 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 good, and then you get a chance, like, to go to last night's game, uh, which was great. They played great. Uh, I thought they totally outplayed them from start to finish against uh, the Stars, so it was a fun evening. What is, you know, I was thinking about this. So that was your second game that you've uh, that you were at since coaching the Wild um, in person. It's against the team that you coached against in the playoffs, so you very easily could have won that series uh, if you maybe if you have Zach Parisi and Thomas Vanek. Uh, if you were, you, you had some major injuries going into that series, uh, what is it like as somebody that's coached as many games as you have for 25 years to watch from the stands, especially a team that you I, used to coach? I think it's tough uh, if it's within the past year, mm-hmm. but after that, you're just rooting for your players. You know, like you know, like I can talk to you about it because I'm not part of it, and you know, you see. Uh, you see stats like with Dumber, you know, not putting the points up, and uh, you want to watch the game from uh, his standpoint and see if you can figure out something to help him out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I get to see Charlie Coyle uh, in Boston. Mm-hmm. You get to talk to him, get to see him. He lives right down the street uh, during the summer. And, you know, just little things like that to, to me, you know, or players who were injured, like Kemp's got injured, you, you, you text him and uh, hope mm-hmm. he's doing okay. Uh, Scandella got traded the other day from Mont- to Montreal last week. And, uh, you know, you get, you get to, um, you know, text him, see how he's doing, or you see Larson, you mm-hmm. know, just so many intangibles. Uh, uh, Granlin got traded to Nashville, and you still have rapport. Uh, Halsey, when Halsey, mm-hmm. uh, I think, broke his leg yep you know you you have uh situations there you stay in touch i've always stayed in touch because i have those kids always since houston days right so there's definitely uh you know a, 
there's a coach player, but it's it's not that much anymore. It's more of a friendship because those are the kids that help you get to the NHL. It is uh, interesting how long you were with the Wild organization. We forget you were in Houston and Iowa. Uh, the first coach in uh, first coach in Iowa or second second uh, second. Yeah, yeah. You uh, replaced yeah, Klein and Dorst, right? First. Yeah. Yep. The um, what do you think of Dumba yesterday? I mean, you know, it, it, he's been in a huge funk, but he d- did seem to after that one hiccup with the Gorianov breakaway, he seemed to get better yesterday. Oh yeah, I liked yeah. his game. I thought mm-hmm. he made some nice passes. He um, made a pass. I, I don't know if it was uh, Zucker's goal or Zook's mm-hmm. goal there. But I uh, got an assist there from the neutral zone, and I thought he settled down. Uh, you know, Dumps is always going to want to try to be the best player every night and the best every shift. And, and then when, uh, you know, from the times that I've had him, it's just you got to sit down, slow the game down, make the simple plays. Mm-hmm. Don't try to make a big play if it's not there and keep it simple, and then things will come because he's just naturally talented. And, uh, you know, he's got the big bomb from the point and uh, just working his feet. And uh, I, I thought he was a lot better from the, even the game before that from Tampa Bay into that. So I, but I, I think that his game's settling down and, you know, when, when players get paid big money, they want to make sure that they uh, produce. And uh, when they're not, it's, it's all for the right mm-hmm. reason that they try and do too much, but uh, the results sometimes don't go their way and then they press. And uh, I liked his game last night and I think it's going to be good moving forward. It is interesting. Uh, I was also thinking yesterday, you got to see a Spurgeon goal and yeah. this is a guy I that's been, watching. yeah, I mean, he's been, he, I mean, the poor guy's been playing with a – I probably shouldn't say it, but, I mean, he's been playing still hurt. He had the broken uh, thumb or hand, yeah. uh, and he came back and has been playing, and, and and we haven't been able to see him shoot the puck a lot yesterday. But, man, did he let that off. And what is it about Spurgeon that makes him – every coach that has ever covered him just loves him. I mean, Boudreaux, the way he talks about him, he says he wishes he had 20 Spurges. Uh, same thing with Mike Yo, and then you as well. Well, I just well one is he's a low maintenance player. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, you could probably go all year without even talking to him. He doesn't really <laughs> say much, but uh, no, he's just a real complete player. You know, he he doesn't care about the offense, meaning like it's not the first thing that's on his mind that mm-hmm. he has to get. He could go all game without a point, and he does all the little things right. Really defends well gets back hard, makes a good first pass. He's a great skater. That's what I was pointing out to Ronda last night that, uh, you know, he's he's just effortless on the ice. And then, you know, the, first, the, the that goal last night was a really nice play. Uh, suits uh, banked one up to him to the neutral zone mm-hmm. and then uh, came down with the curl up and then hit him on the strong side one-timer. And uh, he actually scored one like that for us, I think, in the playoffs against Dallas before. And uh, he's, he's just the type of player that um, – you know, he's going to make you look good if you're his partner. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And that's the reason why right now he's got the – it's shocking, the richest uh, AAV in franchise history, even more than Parisian Suter with his new deal that kicks in last year. Oh, really? Year. Yeah. Well, so, he's, it's well-deserved, I yeah. can tell you. He's really worked hard for it, and, he, you know, he's just been – you just call him underneath the radar, and he just yeah. does everything well. Yep. Do you think um, that somebody – you mentioned that you could go a whole year without talking to him. He's very understated, yet the nicest human being ever – can you make because the biggest question I get a lot, or one of them lately from Wild fans, is who should be the next captain once Miko retires or leaves this organization? Could somebody as quiet as him be the captain? Um, I I haven't been with him the last two years, three mm-hmm. years. I mean, from a vocal standpoint, but I mean his play on the ice goes a long way, mm-hmm. and 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 not just that uh, when the game's on the line or. If there's a difference that has to be made during the game to turn it around, he could be a captain that way. Uh, leader in the locker room, I, I, I mean, he's a quiet leader, but uh, it, 
you know, I don't think you need to be a rah-rah guy now. I mm-hmm. just think you need to be that guy that practices hard. Mm-hmm. So when the team, if they lose two in a row, that they come out and they get on the ice the next day and they put a good day's work in and make sure they push their teammates to be better. So I know he does that. But uh, from a vocal standpoint, uh, you, you know, I don't know what he's been like the last couple of years, but uh, on ice, practice, how to be a true wild player. Mm-hmm. He's definitely hits all those uh, tabs. We're talking with uh, John Torchetti, uh, my guest on uh, Straight from the Source. Uh, one of the greatest uh, players in the Atlantic Coast Hockey League history. 134-point <laughs> season once. I can remember this stuff off the top of my head. I think you had a 59 and a 61-goal season maybe. Oh, yeah? I'm sure I did, yeah. yeah. No, I love – hey, that, that's what I'm I sorry, like you know what? Uh, right now. Yeah. It's all offense. Yeah. It's what I teach. Yeah, and, you uh, had a 63-point season, yeah, uh, goal it, season. It's uh, – you know, the NHL is perfect right now. Yeah. I just think that uh, the way the D are activating and uh, just even now, I mean, it's almost changed uh, the whole dy- dynamics uh, defensively where everyone's playing man-on-man where you never seen man-on-man mm-hmm. the league 10 years ago. So, you know, that's a compliment and uh, scoring's up for sure. And uh, I just think it's, you know, it's exciting to watch. And, uh, I mean, you, you watched uh, Minnesota last night just dismantled Dallas and they've been one of the hottest teams. Is this um how how you know you've you've won coach coach of the years you've won championships you obviously won a cup in in Chicago with the Hawks um you've you've coached and and learned under guys like Quenville and everybody from Keenan to Craig Ramsey to Rick Dudley now being you know sort of on hiatus here in the middle of the season which hasn't happened to you a lot in your life uh, how is that tough uh, I think it makes me a better coach mm-hmm. I get to watch a lot of teams uh, well you know I. I uh, I still stay in touch with Rhino a lot, so I live yep. through him when I'm not coaching. So, <laughs> Rhino meaning Mike Van Ryan. Yeah, he's an assistant coach with yep. the Blues who won a Stanley Cup last year. So right. it, it was really – and he was our assistant coach for all the fans uh, in Minnesota. He was our, our uh, defenseman coach in um, – Houston right. for several years. I think he was up develop. for this job here a couple yeah, years he was. ago as well. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, maybe when Bob Joe Woods got, got it. Woody. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. He had Woody there, and he knew that would be a tough one. But uh, it worked out pretty good for Mikey. He got a couple yeah. last year. Did a great job, and you get a kick out of it. Uh, so probably within a half hour of them uh, getting a cup and going back to the locker room, him and Bo Meester took a picture together because me, you, yeah. Bo Meester, Rhino was in uh, – Florida, when we were all there, yeah. uh, they sent me a picture saying, "That's awesome." How, how did we do, Coach? Yeah, yeah. Because Rhino was playing when I was Rhino's coach with yep. Bo Meester, Bo's rookie year. So, but uh, you know, and that's what it's all about. And he's done a hell of a job developing those D. And I wouldn't doubt, yeah. you know, probably by next year that uh, Rhino's coaching a team in the National League. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I said to. Um Jeremy Rutherford, who's our athletic St. Louis writer, on uh, when I did a podcast with him earlier this year, is that have you done a story on Van Ryan and Bomeister because they were defense partners in Florida? And he goes, I would love to, but the the assistant coaches in St. Louis are not allowed to talk to the beat writers. Oh wow! And I'm like, there's a great article oh. that could be written because it, this these two were defense partners, and now he's coaching Bo it, still. And 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 Bo is you know and. You seen Bowie at the beginning of that yep. last year. They even got benched once. Yeah, and and Bo fought hard, and he's just that type of kid. You yeah. know that, and he's such a great player. And now he's like, I bet you Bo can play another four years the way it's he's crazy. playing. He's playing so confident and just great skater, right? Yep. So and a couple of years ago, he looked like his yeah. legs were falling. You know, were failing him, and and he is somebody that that's been his career is how good of a skater he was. Well, you you're he's, always a good you know to the the true test of being a coach is coaching your friend mm-hmm. 
and that's hard to do. Yes. And Bo is a pro, and yeah. he was telling Mikey, you know, hey, what about let's look at this? Like, because you know he was on that team prior, yeah. And so he was there with Chazzy too, Brad yeah. Shaw, who I had as a player, and then as a, a assistant coach, uh, he was the assistant coach with Hitch there for years, yep. and then with uh, Yosi and Sid, I think there. But uh, you know, when you're developing D, that they had. Uh, that was the first time in uh, St. Louis Blues uh, career that they had four defensemen that had 10 yeah. goals or more. So yeah. That's you know, the new wave. You know what you just said about the true test of uh, is coaching a friend? You know, when you became the head coach here, that was my biggest concern when uh, was because you, I've been always tight with the coaches I've covered. It's just most coaches I've covered, I should say. A couple I can name that uh, I, we're not as tight <laughs> with even during and after. Um but but you were the first one that like because I covered you in Florida, but then I then we weren't working together for so long. You and I became buddies. Yeah. It's the first time it's I've hard. ever covered somebody that I was friends with. It was stressful. Yeah, it's no and and but I mean you have to do your job. Yep. I have to do my job. You know, but uh, you know maybe Flairsy doesn't understand that. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. it's just part of the business. Yeah. You know, I I think uh, you, you have to do your job. That's yeah. just what you get paid for, and uh, you're a true pro, and that's why I've always respected you. I mean, I love the coverage. You're always, but you always work for your story. That's yeah. one thing that I always respected about you and your body of work. Uh, you're always, you, you know, you're not expecting someone to give you something. You work for it, and that's why where you're at. And a lot of it is respect. Like the one thing that I I said to myself right from the very start when you took over here was that I was never going to put you in a position where I asked you something that I technically that you shouldn't tell me or I shouldn't know oh and that was you know you have to do it that but, way but it's like I tell most people in this business it's a yes or no yeah you know there's going to be situations that uh you know like what I just went through the guy I worked for he was a great guy just mm -hmm. didn't work out you mm -hmm. know and uh, but I left the team way better than it was you right know, that's that's the number one thing because yeah. every decision I make whatever job it always goes for the yeah. logo and it's cost me some jobs mm-hmm it's cost me a lot of jobs yeah. and because the bottom line is I, I, I have to – I truly believe that I work for that logo every time when I step on that ice or when I'm speaking with a player. Every decision I make moving forward, um, and, you know, some people think that I'm hard to play for, but, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. Uh, I mean, um, it was a great thing. I think it was about a month ago, Charlie Coyle was getting interviewed on Nesson, and he just signed his new contract, and they had asked him uh, – who is uh, who's your favorite coach? And he said me. So that's, that's awesome. I'm from Boston. So everybody, you know, I probably got a hundred texts. Uh, you know, them blowing up my phone, and you know, that's an honor when a player says that. And you know, he goes, he's hard nosed, but he's true, <laughs> truthful, and direct. And uh, and you know, he you know, he came that close. I was hoping he really won the Stanley Cup last yeah. year because uh, it was a tough one because you got him and Rhino. Yeah. So and tough. then you have Bo. You know what I mean? So, but because uh, I mean. To play in your hometown and, you know, be a big star player, that that's a big one for him. Well, you and Charlie speak the same language, that's right. so that's, that's probably what, that's what you he said. Once you understand them, you'll get there quicker. <laughs> um, and Flaherty, by the way, who you mentioned is Brent Flair, the former associate coach no. of the uh, – associate GM of the Minnesota Wild, who, you know, I have an immense amount of respect yeah. for, but you're right. I mean, we had personalities. Oh, I used, we, to love, <laughs> I, used to love, I used to tell him, you can't follow that Twitter, Flaherty. <laughs> That'll drive you nuts. That's oh, how he, my God. he has so many followers. If, 
if I had a way, every day I woke up to a text from him. Oh, he's beautiful. Oh, I I just knew he talked to you that day when he talked to me. Yeah, it was was just, it was, it was, uh, and I, I mean, I've known him forever. I mean, he was, he worked in the ticket office in Florida when I was there and we're the exact same age. So, you know, it was, it was You guys go back a long time. Yeah, we do. And it was, yeah, long way. And I do respect him a lot, but there's no doubt that our our relationship was adversely affected at the end. And, uh, and hopefully one day we'll be able to sit down and, uh, kind of hash that out. Um, so I, I, I did know not to sit there and give insight, but I did know that it, things were really bad when I went to a 50th birthday party a couple of years ago and he was there and I was there and we did not say a word to each other. <laughs> and I'm like, this is uncomfortable. I think it's time for me to go. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I just know that you two guys, you, you, you love each other, but you love to, you love to get get at each other. Yeah, so definitely a love hate. Stuff. Definitely a love hate relationship. It is funny though, you know what you were saying um, about uh, coming here. I, it just dawned on me that it was 2004 at the Ulster game. I was working for the Sun Sentinel, covering the Ulster game in February, where I got a tip that you were going to be the next head coach of the Florida Panthers, that Rick Dudley was going to step back from his interim role as coach. And and all of a sudden, I'm in the Marriott, downtown Minneapolis, having no clue in a year I'd be covering the Wild, and I'm trying to break this story from here, and I did, I was able to break it, that Dudley was – we were going to come back from the All-Star game in Minnesota, and John Torchetti was going to be on the ice, not Rick Dudley. Well, you're just, you know, talking about uh, Bure being in town today, mm-hmm. Valerie. Valerie's so, in know, town he today. Was, yeah. he, was, he was great to coach. Uh, but But – toughest thing and this is what a really crazy story about the nhl so we we go on a, go on strike mm-hmm. and uh that after that year lockout the, yeah uh, lockout that's what yeah so it's 20 i think our payroll is 22 million. yes and so rick dudley comes in he says torch uh, it was ludzy was there at the time steve ludzik so uh he goes uh, you're going to be the next head coach here and i'm like okay great and i go so what's the hitch and he goes, what do you mean, what's the hitch? I said, something else has to come here. Why would you be walking away? This team's heading in the right direction right now. He goes, well, I have to make some moves. So they ended up trading Nielsen, Marcus Nielsen, Victor Kozlov, and Val Bure. Bure. So we went from and Wasn't 20- there another one? Maybe Matt Cullen? No. No, no, no. Cully, I think, I don't know. Cully might have. No, Cully stayed because okay. he was a horse for me. Yeah. I love that. Well, you know, yep. you, you guys had him here. But uh, – so we dropped uh, six million in payroll. Back yeah. then it was uh, it was only twenty two million dollar payroll, but six million out of twenty two. So Louis says to me, Luango says, Torch, how in the hell are we gonna win? And I said, You, yeah. we're gonna stop the puck. Yeah. And I said we're gonna have to win games two yep. to one, three to two. It's a hard thing to do. And uh, but that was the hitch. He moved those those guys were three. Jokinen was the only one. So those guys were three to four top scorers on the team. Yep. And uh, Yeah, if I remember, it was uh, Marcus Nelson to Calgary, uh, Victor Kozlov to Washington. Yeah. Yep. And then Valbury to St. Louis for Van Ryan, right? Yeah. And he was supposed yep. to come back. Yes. Yep, That's uh, that was the deal. So it was a great deal. And he did come back, It was a great deal yeah. for us because yeah. Val was like, hey, Torch, I'll be back. Yeah. You're here. Yeah. I'm coming. I love it. I loved covering Valbury. And, and I, you know – and it's funny because Pavel and I got along, but never the way that Val and I did. And I think a big reason was his wife, who's Candace Cameron Bure, yeah. um, 
you know, I, I did it right when he got there. I'm like, you got to let me do a feature on you too. Like, and yeah. so we did, I'll never forget it. We did this. I worked on it all season long or headline in the sun sun. was a fuller house. And I got to talk to like Dave Coulier for the story who introduced Valbury and Candace Cameron. But I did the whole big story on their young kids. And now his one son, Maxim, who was like a little kid down there is playing right here in Minnesota, uh, prep hockey. It's just, it's just so weird the yeah. way that works. Well, he was, you know? but, but he 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 was just a, a silent uh, assassin on yeah. the ice. Like he was smooth. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't do anything really rugged. But but he would battle, and next you know you have a goal and assist. Yeah, great guy, great guy mm-hmm. in the locker room, just a great teammate, and uh, you know, real strong uh, Christian family. Yes, exactly, and uh, and like no accent. I no. mean, yeah, you know, because he was he essentially grew up yeah. here in the states. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, so he uh, when when Pavel. Uh, defected over here. Essentially, Val came with him, right, if I remember correctly. And so I don't even know if Val has been back to Russia because he's always been so worried, uh, you know, that they're essentially going to keep him because he. I don't even think he's been back there. Oh, so, really? That's yeah, a good so, story. That's a great question. If you yeah, see him maybe we'll do a podcast with him because I'm supposed to uh, hopefully see him tomorrow. Um, let me ask you about, uh, and by the way, again, this is straight from the source. I'm with John Torchetti. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, I'm telling you, you will love the site, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. That will get you in for 40% off. Articles galore, podcasts galore. We have podcasts on every NHL team. Uh, the Wild play the Detroit Red Wings on uh, Wednesday night, and one of my favorite podcasts is called Wings for Breakfast, and that's with uh, Max Boltman, or one of our Wings beat writers. Um, it's just an outstanding, outstanding uh, site and a, and a great podcast as well. Um, everybody I know that's listening to this podcast wants me to ask you about uh, Hovenoff. Um, is it now? Is it uh, is is it Kovanov or Hovenoff? I think it's Hovenoff. Okay, but it's, like Hudobin. I call when, him when, Havi, so yeah, you yeah. should know better with me. <laughs> so it was uh, when when Hudobin was here. We said the K, and then it became silent. So I'm thinking it's the same thing. Gordon Miller during the World uh, Juniors uh, just recently kept on calling him Hovenoff. So I'm thinking that's probably correct. Um, he obviously great World Juniors, monster year for you guys in Moncton. Um, how, but a real tough, tough start to his hockey career. He had hepatitis A last year. This year he had to have surgery for, to get a benign tumor out of his leg, but yet it hasn't slowed him down this year. What type of player is this, and can Wild fans be excited about him? I think that um, he's, he's mentally tough. Mm-hmm. He's gone through a lot, and I think that uh, the, the number one thing in, in nothing against him was the maturity, mm-hmm. and he certainly – Check that box off this year. He came in. Uh, he was begging to come down here. I think Bomber was really bagging him off the ice pretty hard. He was begging to get back to Moncton and play. Uh-huh. So that was funny. But uh, <laughs> he just came in there and he just buried his head. And I think he was just focused on those world championships. So he was really easy to get on track. Uh, he wanted to be a leader. He wants to win a championship. Uh, definitely, you know, compete. Like, uh, that's something that a lot of people are going to – not be used to i mean this kid has high compete doesn't want to lose a one-on-one battle uh very highly skilled good power play guy uh great kid mm-hmm. i tell you what uh the, the that that that's probably the toughest thing like i talk about with kids uh you know you you build a relationship that they trust you and then you're not there anymore so that's a tough one leaving that but uh i think that you know he might be the type of kid that might be able to come in at the end of the year and play some games here in minnesota really i just think that you got to give him that look so he gets a taste of it because well i mean you have the kaprazov kid mm-hmm. that 
stayed over there for two or three years. And, right. Uh, you know, they have a chance to go make a million or $2 million in Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think they're going to come over here and play in the American League and wait yeah. for a call-up. Right. You know, which I don't blame them. Yeah. I mean, for that situation, you know, they have a chance to put some money in there and, and put it in the bank. And, uh, you know, they, they could go and make, you know, two to four million bucks in uh, two years over there. Right. Do you, um with, with Hovenoff, is he... Um, do you, first of all, do you look at him as a center or a winger? Oh, he's a centerman. Centerman. Yeah. Okay, so you could even have, eventually have him play with Kaprasov. Oh yeah, yep. sure. Oh, he he would do that. Mm-hmm. As long as there's a, a reward there, he will do whatever it takes to win that game. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's a centerman. He his, and and that's all he had to learn was playing without the puck and how hard you have to compete. Right. You know, and and you know what what it, you know, and he would think. One or two plays is good a game, and I'm trying to get him to understand there's 17 to 20 shifts, five right. on five. You have to be the guy. And then, and, and, he, and he grew into that, yep. which, I mean, I think you'll be very happy with him as a player. Yeah. I, I, I took it as a badge. Well, one, it's my old team, and I just want to make sure that he's ready to play for Mr. Leopold. Right. I, you know, Mr. Leopold gave me a great chance here. And, uh, and, and I think that I owe it to the kid to show him what a true NHL player has to play like every night. Um, fitness level okay. I've started to read recently that people are talking about him almost in the same light as Sokolov, which is a little scary. Um, well, Sokolov had a big summer this year. I yep. just think that's all part of maturing, mm-hmm. and I think it's a level. Oh, and and honestly, he he will do the work when you ask him. Mm-hmm. But it's when he's away from there that he has to make sure at the training table that he's eating correctly. Mm-hmm. But he does work hard. I mean, that, that's, you know, there's different levels to different, you know, there's always uh, something with a player and that would be it. Yeah. But, but when you tell him to train, like we, we train twice a week in juniors and he would be one of the highest workers. But if you told him, okay, now when you leave here, what are you going to eat? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you have that. I have that relationship with him, right? Yeah. But, but I mean, he, he, he still made his way in, yeah. and, and he's got to get better yeah. at that. Yes, he does. Yeah. And he knows that. That's not a knock yeah. on him. But uh, And I think that if he wants to play in the National yeah. League, that's got to be, to me, yeah. that that would be his number one thing that holds yeah. him back. I, I hope I relay this story, and maybe I should just let you relay it uh, uh, correctly, but one of my favorite stories that you once told me many years ago is you were coaching Dustin Bufflin with the Atlanta Thrashers, and you checked into a hotel in New York. Do you know the story I'm thinking about? And um, it was the Lowe's Hotel, and apparently they give out chocolate chip cookies. At the, oh, uh, he probably got about five. Yeah. Or they might've, he might have got the canister. Yeah. Yeah. That, so they, they give it, one. You, you check in, and they give out chocolate chip <laughs> cookies. And apparently the way you told the story was just so freaking funny. Um, you, you told me that during the game he turned the puck over for a goal, and he came back to the bench, and you were behind him, and he looked at you. And and he said to you something like, "I know, Torch. I know, Torch." And you like, and then you said to him something like, "Like, I know you know. Don't worry, don't worry." And then you like walked away, and then you came back like t- five seconds later, and you say, "But I will tell you this: if I ever see you take five chocolate chip yeah, cookies." That's right. <laughs> I remember that. Now I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, He's, Buff is, and Buff's that way too. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you a better story. I I remember he got called into the office. I won't say who was there, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of us at that table. And he didn't see it coming. They told him that he had to lose some weight. And they told him if he wasn't going to do that, that he's going to probably, you know, miss a game or two. And he was staring me down walking through that hallway. And I was like, what are you looking at me for? (laughs) And, you know, there was other people that were bigger executives than me. 
And he goes, you knew that was – I said, I swear to God, I didn't know that was coming, Buff, because that's how we could talk, right? right. And uh, I said, I, now do you trust me? He goes, I trust you 100%, but that was BS. Yeah, said, yeah. BS what just happened. I said, I know. What are you going to do? He goes, oh, you'll see when I come in for that weigh-in tomorrow. And I said, what do you mean? More. What do you mean? <laughs> he goes, I'm going to eat two cheeseburgers. I'm probably going to have uh, – a six pack. So we'll see how I weigh in them all. See what they say then. It was one of the funniest moments of my life with one player. Oh man, that's funny. Um, can I ask you this? You you did say before that um, that there have been some jobs that you probably you know you were torched, you were honest, and there were some jobs that probably yeah. cost you from getting. Do you think one of them was this one that maybe that you were that in in other words that you didn't mince words with the players that maybe some coaches have minced words with? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think I had the the idea and the direction of which way the team was going to go. Mm -hmm. I think I felt the pulse of it, and uh, I thought that I pushed the right buttons, and and some people might not thought I did, mm -hmm. but to me, I did, and uh, I think that um, I gave them a picture of what the future was going to be like. Right? And, uh, you know, it's uh, I would have loved to have the team, but it's tough. You know, uh, Bujo became available, and I mean. He, he had the best winning record out of the last 10 years, so mm -hmm. I can't say what if anymore. But do I? Damn right I do. Yeah. It was uh, – I mean, it was interesting. I mean, if you think about that second half after you took over from Mike, um, it was – I mean, you guys went on a hell of a run to make the playoffs. Um, up until – and really, I mean, your record would have been absolutely sterling except for the last five games where it's like after you made the playoff – after you clinched, it seemed like the team took a its foot off the gas a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we, we – well, we had some guys playing hurt. And, yeah. You know, and then uh, Dubes had uh, – what what did he have? Shingles. Right. And yeah. that was a tough one for us uh, moving forward, especially even in the first round. Right. I mean, the and then guy. remember his first – was it his first game or morning skate? Didn't he break his finger? Yeah, like, I think uh, so. took a shot off his yeah. finger. Yeah. So you have, you, have Pom, you have your goalie playing with a broken finger and shingles. You have Vanek, who, who essentially went under the knife for a sports hernia. And then you have – uh, Parisi, who's getting back. cortisone shots yep. the entire second half, and then yep. take, gets low bridge by Couture, and now you're just screwed going into the playoffs, and you still took them to six games. But I'll tell you what, uh, there was a lot of players that uh, really did a lot of work, and mm -hmm. they really wanted to compete, and uh, they were a joy to coach. Yeah. That was a fun team. I mean, that was a good ride. I'll tell you what, that building, when we made that game 4-3, to three, I don't think you'd uh, hear a louder building ever. I mean, yeah. uh, we came back, we were down, what, 4 nothing, mm -hmm. And we made it 4-3 to three in that game uh, 6, was it? Yep. And, uh, and I thought for sure we were going to tear the roof off of that building and tie that game up and yeah. uh, go on to a game 7 in Dallas. But it uh, didn't happen that way. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you – but for the for Minnesota, though, no better fans. I'll tell you that. Yeah, um, I have a lot of uh, I do have a lot of Twitter questions from you that from uh, some some wild fans. And uh, last night you got to meet a couple during the the game. Thrasher fan too. Yeah, I know that was that was I thought that was a setup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I saw I, before the game. I knew you were there, and I found out where you're sitting. So I was just kind of like I'm like, all right, here's a where's Waldo VIP sitting in the crowd. Go find him. And then I felt terrible because then. 
I did it for like you know I'll buy you and I already did I bought the kids uh, uh, that came up to you uh, athletic uh, apps this morning athletic uh, subscriptions this morning I used it straight from the source uh, uh, discount by the way um, but it, I felt terrible because all of a sudden I'm getting these selfies with people like the, that was the rule you had to go up to the VIP that you found and take a selfie with them and if it was the right one that I was thinking of you get the sub and next thing I know I'm getting selfies of fans with uh, with Craig Leopold fans grabbing Breezer the dog it was just told him it was vip section yeah. <laughs> so it must not know what that is yeah oh man it was just it was just really really funny as as well um what do you think of the game last night in terms of uh the whole thing at the end with Staylock um getting I, I, getting you left i you beat gone. the traffic it, i'm i'm old school yeah. buddy so perry A good scout never yeah. gets caught in traffic yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i didn't see it yeah. so so uh earlier this season i'm sitting in colorado next to fedor tutin who is scouting for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I get up to the press box after the game, and he's doing his reports. I'm like, what are you doing? Every scout's been out of here for an hour. I'm like, I'm always amazed at scouts. Like, you know, you think you want to, like the last five minutes in overtime are the most important times to see what players the coaches are putting in ice in the nitty-gritty of a game. And they're already gone. This is amazing. It's, it's, it's uh, something... Uh you got to do, though, because if not, you're stuck in traffic for two hours <laughs> after the game. I right. mean, I hate to say it, yep. and it's the truth, but, I mean, you see what that player is doing all yep. the time. I mean, it's not just the five <laughs> minutes. Uh, m- most of those kids that you end yeah. up getting uh, are the kids in the American League that way. Yeah. Well, Staylock uh, got kneed in the head. Uh, you know, it wasn't the most egregious thing in the world, and it certainly doesn't le- rise to the level of, of discipline. But, you know, two games back from elbowing a guy in the head, Corey Perry in a 6 nothing game with five minutes left, skates through the crease and, and knees uh, Staylock in the head. And Staylock was livid. Oh, was he? Oh, my Good. God. He Compete. ripped off his mask, cursed him out, called him fucking dirty. He oh, wow. After the game, I, I did not witness this, so I, that's why I didn't write about it. But after the game, a couple people said that Daylock went in the hallway and was screaming down for Perry. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like it. I like and, it. And hey, apparently Perry ignored him. Hell of a record at home. Yeah. I've seen it on uh, oh, it's crazy. the NHL Network. Uh, this yeah. morning, see 7 0 and 1 or something yeah. like that. 7 but, 1 1, I think. Yeah, but he was fantastic. 936. Yep. Uh, you know, and uh, I remember when Flurzy signed him out of. Uh, out of San Jose, uh, San Jose and, mm-hmm. and Cunny had him when he had him in, uh, in the American League. David Cunniff, he's a torch. You're gonna love this kid. And I was like, oh, good for, uh, good for them, you know. So he competes, and uh, that was big. And he played good against Tampa the night before too, two nights before. So it's, it's funny. I'm going with you after this. Uh, you and Ron are the Lake Elmo Inn, and I, I, I about two weeks ago sat down with Staylock at the Lake Elmo Inn for a huge feature that I'll be writing on him uh, next week. So yeah. uh, if you're a subscriber to the Athletic, I guarantee you will love that story because it is. I, if you knew Staylock, I put the recorder down. It's kind of like you put the recorder down, and he just spoke. <laughs> That's it's good. like I, I didn't even ask him questions. He just spoke. It was just like an hour later. Well, he's had a good career too. Yeah. So while he's been here, so great, it's... great guy. Um, just a couple minutes left in the free version of the Athletic. Uh, again, theathletic.com/slash straight from the source um, to. Um, to uh, subscribe, and then again, I have a ton of questions for you. I, I did want to ask you um, about you know we we you and I have talked about this a thousand times, but I'm always fascinated about your about your the start of your career. 
Um, you know, you grew up in, in Jamaica Plain. Um, mom, who I talked to for uh, one of your she's features. She's a star here. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's 84 now? 80, uh, 85. 85. Yeah. Boudreaux's uh, mom is 85 or 86, yeah, too. she's from Ottawa, right? Right, right. I remember he, he was thinking about going to Ottawa. Yeah. Um, his his daughter's in Ottawa. She's in, uh, oh, in St. Catherine. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, so, uh, but your mom, uh, who I talked to for one of your stories when you made your playoff debut here, um, and then your dad uh, owned a pizza shop, right? If I remember correctly, I did. I owned a pizza. Okay. shop. I used to work at a pizza shop. Okay. with my brother-in-law. Jimmy. Okay. Yeah. And and so that's that's what happened. So you owned a pizza shop in Winston Salem, I remember. Yep. Right. Yep. And then you got your start. Uh, like you made money as even as a as a player and a coach, right? Like uh, selling sausages and pizzas. By oh Fenway. yeah, yeah. I used to work at Fenway Park. I was, mm -hmm. Not in Fenway Park, but I used to have my own sausage stand. Right. So you know, you go out there before the Red Sox games. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got. Uh, Probably over ten thousand people coming by, and you're—I don't know what we're selling for back then, but we'd probably sell a thousand sausages. You, know, you can make three to five thousand bucks for the day. It's pretty good. That's crazy. Yeah, no, yeah. I love—I loved it. I mean, yeah. but I like to work. I mean, uh, that's probably the worst part about my job is when I'm not working because uh, I can, you know, I—I I can, I can't sit still. Right. And I just love watching the game, and I just, I just miss teaching. Uh huh. You know, that's something, you know. I thought about doing uh, maybe it's just working on players now, mm -hmm. but but I I just miss. Going I, I want to win a Stanley yep. Cup. I, my dream is to win three of them, and yep. I got one right now. But I, I still know I'm going to get two more. I just right. know I am, and so, and and honestly, I think I got more to give kids now yep. than I had before. Yep. So. Adam Oates has made a pretty good living uh, working for players, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. We used to. <laughs> that was one of our good ones. There. I think it was Suitsy and uh, Parisi had him when I yeah. was here, and Parisi was telling me that. Uh, Otsi told him that uh, when the shot comes from the point that you had a side tip, and I was like, well, Otsi's not playing here. We're going to stand in front of the net, and then we're going to side tip it. We're going to screen the goalie, then tip it. Uh, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. But he was uh, – no, he's done a great job with Although the Although Parisi, I think his sixth goal last night was a side tip, wasn't it? Yep, yeah. it was. It was. That's why I laughed. I chuckled about it. But uh, it's uh, – you know the game. The game. The game yeah. is changing. Yeah. So, and you have to change with the game. Yeah. But I. But I think a lot of the is. It's still. It's still to me, very individual mm -hmm. from a player standpoint. Yeah. That they really care about their stats first and team second. Right. The yeah, good that, teams care about the team. Yeah. I I agree with you. It seems like that is like you the, gotta yeah. see it more. Yes. You're seeing uh -huh. them. Right after the game, what's the response? And if yeah. that player didn't play well, you wouldn't even hear it. There's some some of these teams, they just say, "Hey, I didn't play well." Yeah. That's the bottom line. And yeah, those are the, you know, you're watching Pittsburgh, you watch Boston, yeah. you watch Saint, like St. Louis. St. Louis ain't missing a beat without yeah. uh, Tarasenko. I thought yeah. they'd struggle a little bit, but that's yeah. telling you a lot. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you about um, Parisi. He um, he's about to play his thousandth game. I, I, we have a really cool story that I'm uh, hopefully everything. Uh, all the star stars align I'm, that I'm working on for a thousand game story. Um, he really enjoyed playing for you. Yeah. Um, what, what what has made him so different than other maybe you know scorers in his career? I mean, he's an all time leading scorer amongst Minnesotans. Um, you know, uh, he obviously one of the top top draft picks in a incredible 2003 draft. What has made him so maybe unique compared to other scorers in the league? Well, I think that is work ethic. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, you know, if, if he didn't have a bad back, he probably would have gone through that round. Mm -hmm. uh, just just the way that he played his first, I don't even know how many years, five years with New Jersey. I don't know how many he ended up playing for yep. him. But, uh, 
you know, you, you're not going to last when you're playing that way. Yeah. I mean, he was playing like he was six foot. He was playing like Wilson. Yeah. But in his body. Yeah. And that's hard to do, you know. I mean, uh, taking pounding like that every night. And, you know, not, and when he started, that's when cross checks were normal mm-hmm. in front of the net. You know, if you really think about it. Remember how they used to lay the yep. lumber in the back of you? Yeah. Back? But uh, I, I think it uh, says a lot for a guy his size, but he just never stops working. Yeah. And that's his trait. Yeah, and you know, you know, one of the things when I took over this team is I went through every player, and that was the you know, you have to get the source of the team going. Those yeah. are the guys, you know, the the Parises, the Suiters, the the Coivos, uh, Niederreiter, mm-hmm. you know, just those those guys there, the difference makers, and uh, those those guys you can't afford to lose for two or three nights. And yeah. uh, his work ethic without the puck is everything. Yeah, the, the, what you said about his back is why I get so irritated a lot of times on Twitter when I watch him get cross-checked because I do think that if if um, referees didn't allow these cross-checks to go that guys like him could continue to thrive and I always am amazed at referees who I do respect I mean you know what's funny is that all these people on Twitter think that I hate refs I'm buddies with them almost yeah. all of them right like I mean you I hang out with the refs more than I hang out with anybody in the game because we're always in the same hotels we hang out in the concierge lounges and, and a lot of them, the ones that I rip are the ones that I know. And the one thing that drives me absolutely bonkers is that usually referees will give a benefit of the doubt to the guy that is working his butt oh, no off. Doubt. No doubt. And yet you sit there and you could stare at a great referee in Cali Sutherland the other night. could sit there and stare at Parisi, get cross-checked by Tanev, and just not call it. And then have the audacity as he's going up ice to sit there and tell Parisi that he wasn't crossed. Right. Right. You know, it just but also, me nuts. I, I've seen it from the spectrum uh, when I was with Tampa Bay. We got the worst calls called against us. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Chicago and we're winning. We can do anything wrong. Yeah. And and I think a lot of it's got to do with winning. Yeah. I hate to say that. Yeah. Or they just, you know, and, and I'm dead serious. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it. I've been in a long time in the league, too. Yep. And uh, did you see Wes McCauley last night, what he did yeah. for the Ottawa game? Yeah, yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. It's good. Both the Kachuks. Yeah, he kicked out the. Yep. And (laughs) like to me, that was pretty cool. Well, I just tweeted about that because I what I used to love um, is I used to absolutely love the personalities of the referees, and I just think that. Um, we've gotten away from that with some of these young refs that also that have the like the worst attitudes. Where like McCauley yesterday sits there and he kicks out the two centers, purposely puts both Kachuk brothers in there in front of the parents. Right. And I just think that type of personality is sells awesome. the game. Absolutely sells the game. No, I well you're gonna yep. don't forget now you you're coaching millennials, mm-hmm. so you're getting rough yep. millennials. Yeah. So you can't really yell at them. Yep. And they really take it to heart. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah, more from honey, you do vinegar. Can I ask you, how much do you think that Miko's sometimes uh, brazen anger with these refs oh, has sure. created he, he a lot of the off, issues? But, but he's so competitive. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I thought when I came here and I told this to management, I mm-hmm. thought Miko was going to be the hottest guy to coach mm-hmm. and I ended up being the easiest guy. Really? All he wanted, oh, oh, he loved to win. Mm-hmm. All those guys. Yep. I, I didn't have a problem coaching any of them. It's just that when, when you want certain things done, and it shouldn't matter. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is where teams that win championships. It doesn't matter what the task is. Is if you're supposed to do a task, do the task. Right. Doesn't matter who you are, or if you you know if a certain thing happens and you don't do that role, that's you know 
that's your job. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, if the, if that was a Dumber and I'd say, hey, Dumbs, get the fucking, you know, get the job done. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. No, it's the athletic. You can so, curse. So, so get the job done. And Dumbs would be like, yeah, I owe you one. Thanks. Yeah. And that, and you'd be like, no problem. Because he knows that he can count on you because he's going back on the ice. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Let me ask you one more question about the team, and then uh, we'll end the free version of the uh, podcast, and we'll go on to the uh, the exclusive uh, longer version that you can listen just on the Athletic. Uh, poor Rhonda wants to; uh, she's just sitting there all, it's a all night game. watching the. Yeah, what's the what's the Titans score? <laughs> it's like it just dawned on me. Like she's just like, can we just end this podcast, please? <laughs> Um, uh, but I do, I want to ask you on the other side of this, um, I want to ask you about what it was like to coach in Russia. I want to ask you about what it was like to be at the Boston garden with your dad. And I want to ask you, uh, the Twitter questions that a lot of fans have asked, but, um, w- the biggest, th- uh, most impressive thing that I saw you do. And again, you, when, when Mike Yo was fired, you were coaching Iowa that night, get the call after the game, have to rush up here for a practice at, at, uh, at, in a diner at Braemar and then yeah. get on a plane out a couple hours later to go to Vancouver to start a long yeah. road trip. And you're, by the way, your home debut is the outdoor game, which we'll talk about also after the break. But, but the first thing I remember walking, I left my bag and I had to get to the airport. I pushed my flight back. I left my bag in the locker room. I go in my lock in the locker room and I see you sta- sitting there with Eric Halla. And I just, you know, again, we, this is stuff that normally beat writers don't get to see, but I left my bag there and I see, I hear you giving him like the pep talk of the century. That you are going to be important to this team. Yeah, he was, and and it is. Next night in in Vancouver, you put together a Hall of Pommel Niederreiter exactly. line, if I remember. I think they, they had twenty three points they, in twenty seven games, crazy. and uh, and Hall became the yeah. player he was in that in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, and did it again in Carolina. I mean, uh, that that's always been in him. Yeah. And it's, I mean, did you recognize right away that there, here's a kid that thinks he's not important on this oh, team, yeah. and I better Granny get, was that yeah. way. I, I I sent a text uh, last week to to uh, Heinze in Nashville, and I said, you can grab Granlin, and you can tell him what you want. If you want him to compete, you tell him to compete. He'll take that challenge. Mm-hmm. You can push him in another direction, and he won't mind. Because right. I just know he has another level, too. Yeah, yeah. We have, and we obviously haven't seen it in Nashville at all. We're, we're here. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Fiala has played really well. Um, again, this is uh, Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. My guest is Gian Torchetti. Um, don't forget to please rate and subscribe to Straight from the Source on Apple. If you click on the show URL, which is theathletic.com slash straight from the source, you'll get 40% off your subscription to The Athletic, and you'll get to hear an extended version of this very podcast with myself and my guest, John Torchetti, only at theathletic.com. We'll be right back on there. But, John, thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, talking to the people that are listening for free. That it's great to see him, and uh, hopefully see him back in the NHL balloons again. Awesome. Yeah.